In a world full of distractions, there is one big question on every dog owner's lips. How do I become more than just the person holding the other end of the leash? We all get dogs with a dream in mind, a vision of the future. And if right now your everyday reality isn't quite that picture you had in mind, you are in the right place. It really doesn't have to be this way. You absolutely can and will be more to your dog than just the person who gets in between them and the world. The key is you need to be more sexy. More sexy than the neighbourhood cats. More sexy than the jogger in the park. More sexy than that half-eaten hamburger they just found on the floor. And yes, even more sexy than the dog across the road. I'm Tom. And I'm Lauren. Together Together we're we're Absolute Absolute Dogs. Dogs. And you're listening to the Sexier Than a Squirrel podcast. And welcome to the Sexier Than a Squirrel podcast, the podcast that gives you real life dog training results. And today I am joined by the wonderful Leslie. Uh, Leslie is uh, currently traveling and uh, I've managed to uh, rope her into uh, chatting to me, even though you're on the road and even though you're in a hotel and it's uh, these jet lags and everything else. But we're loving this. And I've, I've been on a horse all day. So you know what? Uh, we're definitely, definitely, definitely both time challenged today. But I'm really really pleased you're here. Um, Welcome, Leslie. And I want you to tell everybody, Leslie, just what you're about, just what you do, because I know what you do. And I want all of our lovely listeners uh, to hear a little bit about you and what you do. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. It's I'm glad we made it work. (laughs) I spent all day in Amsterdam on a boat. So similar to be on a, on a horse all day. Um, so what I do, I'm a rehab slash sports medicine veterinarian. And I would say right now I focus a bit more on the sport sports medicine side. And I do basically help dogs be the best that they can be at their sport and also help dogs be able to get back to their sport after injury or surgery or um, really anything that might happen along the way, having puppies, all those kind of things. Um, so that's, that's pretty much it in a nutshell. I also compete with my own dogs in agility. So I have a little bit of a um, soft spot for agility specifically, oh, but I do help. <laughs> You're talking my language as you, as you know, now, now Leslie, um, some people want to, when, when, uh, brave had her accident, I reached out to, to a few of, um, people who I consider, um, friends and, and close contacts. And you're one of those, those people. Um, and so for me, what you do is, is pretty special because you do help dogs, um, to get back to whatever they can be and whatever they can do. And I think that's a very special, special role, especially after I've watched brave who is in the background chewing a bone. It's about the best thing I can do with her when I'm doing a podcast, because she literally wants to be involved. Uh, she's loving life. Um, Tell me um, the sorts of things that you use with dogs and do with dogs, um, either post-injury or just to work with the sports dog in front of you. Not specifically brave, but what are the sorts of things you do and you can do with dogs, Leslie? Because I think it's pretty incredible. I think there's so much you can do. Um, A lot of times I say like your imagination is the limit, but what I specifically do, what I focus a lot on is exercise. Um, So both 
kind of physical therapeutic exercise if they're like brave and coming back from an injury, but also conditioning type fitness exercise to help them prepare for their sport. You know, say, say they're a healthy dog and we just want them to perform their best and not hopefully not get an, an injury. I develop exercises for that kind of thing. So there's all kinds of other tools and modalities that can be used, especially when dealing with injuries. Um, but I mean, I don't know if we want to go into specifics, but give me give me a couple of. I mean, I'm I'm a um, for those uh, of our, our wonderful listeners listening, I'm an absolute um, fan of using everything I can possibly use, including um, obviously hands and, and everything else, and whatever's under the kitchen sink. I literally will use what, whatever is available to me if I feel that there is a place for it, and I feel like I've gone out of my way to really explore what is possible and what is around. And yet, there are still things that a lot of people don't know about. A lot of people would never consider using. A lot of people are like, "Bio what?" or uh, "Laser this?" <laughs> or like they really don't know about it. And I think I'd love to expand and explore and, and show the world that actually there are a lot of things out there that can really help your dog uh, working with people like you and uh, the brilliant people that I work with. Matt and I were talking about this thing the other day. We were like, actually, this makes such a big difference to us because we're, we're treated by one of our therapists. And and it makes a massive difference to us. So I'm so pleased that we get to do this for our dogs. Now we understand what it does for us. And similarly with some of the things I use, like I use a laser and you, you I don't want to tread on toes. You tell everybody about everything in a minute, but I use my dog's laser on my ankle. It really, really helps. And I'm not telling people that they should or shouldn't do this. What I'm telling them is this, I do this and it helps. And so what can we use? Like what are all the things that might be available? Go and run through it. A whistle awesome. stop list of a few things. Okay. Awesome. Well, like you said, laser, that's probably my most commonly used tool. Um, probably 90% of the time I'm going to reach for my laser, but we also have things like ultrasounds, um, neuromuscular electrical stimulation, acupuncture. We've got our hydrotherapy tools, like the underwater treadmill and just like swimming um, mm-hmm. as well. Um, I mean, there's always new stuff coming out to, um, let's see, we've got pulse electromagnetic field theory, uh, pulse electromagnetic field therapy, um, shock wave therapy, which sounds really scary, but it's like one of my favorite tools. It's I'm a high powered. I'm, I'm already yeah. saying all these things and I'm like, I want these things. And actually, you know what? You can touch on shockwave because shockwave is something that two of my dogs have had in the last six weeks. And uh, I feel a little bit silly, really. I don't actually completely know what it is. I just know that I trust the vet that recommended it and has done it with them. Um, one of my dogs has had it on shoulder um, with a slight sort of repetitive shoulder injury or stress. Um, and the other dog has had it, Tokyo's had it on his psoas um sort of area a couple of times now uh, both times when he was out for stem cell and so um for for me shockwave is something that's been I, I haven't really heard of it and then suddenly I've heard of it quickly like tell me what shockwave is and what it does yeah so it it sounds really scary right because you're like shockwave what are we doing oh my god um so I do hate the name for it but <laughs> It's really a great tool. It's actually just a really high powered ultrasound. 
So we think about ultrasound in a couple of ways. You know, most people think about ultrasound in the imaging way, like we use an ultrasound and we can see inside the body. Um, we call that diagnostic ultrasound. But then we also have therapeutic ultrasound, which can be very low powered, which, um, you know, you may have experienced with your human physio, but shockwave is high powered ultrasound. So it just creates a more powerful um, wave of sound that helps affect the body in a good way. So it helps promote healing, increase blood flow to the area. And one of the best things about it is that it it has a pain relieving effect. So almost immediately after using it, if the dog was painful, you can see uh, a lessening of their pain that allows them to usually be more mobile and then we can do more exercises. So that's, that's why I like the tool. Nice. Really nice. And, um, and, sh- and shockwave is something that you're seeing more commonly now or... Yeah, so they've made some great advancements in the technology in the past couple of years. We used to have to sedate all the patients to be able to do it because it was very loud. It's a it's a sound wave, um, and it wasn't the most comfortable um, to have done. But now they've created um, they're they're actually calling it sedationless shockwave. So it's really nice. And I think that's going to make it much more available to people because you don't have to actually date anymore. So I understand it. And, and this is me being a little bit personally interested. Um, <laughs> say a sedationless, is that because it's now quiet or it's just quieter or where, where does it sit? I think it's, it's quieter. So there's less of that. I mean, I think you could still have dogs that, that don't like it and won't won't tolerate it because if they don't like noise, but it's also not as uncomfortable. So I think the reason we would sedate in the past was both of those, like a lot of dogs would get scared or worried by the loud popping noise. Um, but then also when you would try to apply it, it wouldn't feel good. And so the combination of the two things, they were like, I'm out of here. And now they're, they're doing much better. I've seen it. Um, videos of different dogs getting it they're just like licking away at their you know frozen treat while it's going on yes totally tolerating it without any problem so it sounds like advancements being made all the time and advancements Mm -hmm. in these areas all of the time no I love it I absolutely love it so we've heard a little bit about what you do we've heard a little bit about some of the modalities and the options and the considerations we might have and i'm i'm jealous because there are things on there that i don't have i do have therapeutic ultrasound i do have an underwater treadmill i do have a swimming pool i am very very lucky and i'm showing huge gratitude to the universe for those things <laughs> because i'm very very lucky however i'm listening and i'm like oh, i want a shockwave therapy system i want to i love the idea that we can heal our pets i love the idea that we can heal our mates i love the idea that we can look up after them better I love that for Brave that we can deliver so many of the treatments that she needs and contributing to looking after animals for me makes me feel like I sleep better like I I enjoy it right now I've heard about what you do obviously why do you do it what what makes it what makes it for you why do you do it that's such a good question so it's I think it really was a combination of things um, one, I was an athlete growing up. I was a swimmer. So I got to, unfortunately, 
fortunately experienced a lot of sports medicine myself um, in the human world, dealing with injuries and getting back to competition. Um, and then the other reason was actually when I went to vet school. So when I went to vet school, I was already doing agility with my dogs. And I realized there just wasn't much taught about it. I mean, when I would ask like, what, what do you do for an agility dog? And, and they're like, that's just, you know, tricks in the backyard. That's there. There's no difference. And then, and I, you know, I believe them, they're my teachers. Um, and then I graduated mm-hmm. and all the agility people started coming to me and asking, Oh, my dog's doing this. My dog's, you know, times have slowed down. They're not, Um, holding, you know, they're not hitting their contact. They're missing their weed pull entry. And I was like, I don't know. I can't, I can't help you. Like we weren't taught anything about this. Um, and luckily, um, my mentor surgeon was like, Hey, there's kind of this new field coming about. You should look into it. And it was perfect. It was a perfect combination for me of having the sport aspect that I loved and I was already a part of, but it also really had a strong behavior aspect for me because such a big part of it was learning and helping teach the owners how to deal with restrictions and keeping the dogs sane during those times of recovery, but also helping them figure out how to properly teach the dog how to do the exercises. Um, and it just, it, it checked all the boxes. Cause I was like, it's competitive, it's sports and I get to do dog training. So I love it all. You're like literally, yeah. Preaching to the, to the choir, I think is the saying, isn't it? Something like yeah. that. Um, you, I, I hear it and I, I love it. So what would be your favorite part of your job? Because like so many of our listeners, um, we have pro dog trainers listening. We have um, lots of the training academy listening, people who've gone through sex in a squirrel listening and people who are brand new to absolute dogs listening. You and I are really lucky. Um, and I, I, again, I am so grateful for what we do. And I know you are too. Um, we get to do this for our living and and we get to call this a job and we get to um, I mean, I'm like, I don't work. This isn't work. I'm, I'm like so, so lucky. Um, what is your favorite part of your job? What is your, your best part of your job? What are the best parts of your days? I mean, my favorite part is when I get the messages from owners telling me how they just did their first competition back after an injury and the dog did great or the notes when they are like, you helped me solve this problem. And now my dog's not knocking bars anymore. Um, I mean, that just is so fulfilling to get those, those messages of success back. So I would say, you know, that's, that's my favorite part. Um, second to that, I would say it's probably working with the dogs and showing, their owners, like all the things that they can do. Like when I, when I describe an exercise and they're like, there's no way we can't get the dog to do that. And I'm like, let me show you how, and we just break it down and get it done. And the, you know, then again, it's kind of like that such happiness on the owner's face. It's like, wow, I never thought I could, you know, the dog would do this and now look at it, we're doing it. So I think that's the best part of it. That absolutely resonates, like resonates, um, yeah, hugely. Um, give me an example of 
one of your favorite go-to exercises? Like if I was going to give a very favorite go-to exercise for um, agility, it might be wrapping or retrieve, actually. Like I think they're real go-tos. Like Nifty right now is working on both wrapping and retrieve. Her wraps are really good. Her retrieve we shall move on from. Um, and so... <laughs> So yeah, she's such a monkey. She's like, got my retrieve, got my retrieve. Now I run to the end of the field and lie down with my retrieve. I'm like, oh, we've got some more work to do. Um, but yeah, what would your favorite sort of go-to exercises be? Like one of my favorite go-to dog training exercises might be middle, or it might be an instant down, or it might be a hand touch. Someone is having a great time with an antler down there. Guys, <laughs> calm it. We're supposed to be doing sex in this girl podcast stuff. Um, but but yeah, tell me, um, tell me a little favorite go-to that you have yeah I go through phases I will tell you (laughs) like I'll hit an exercise and it'll be my favorite thing for like two months and then suddenly I'll have another one and I'm like oh now I love this I know this feeling (laughs) I would say my my old standard that I'm going to give you two one is posture which seems really boring and like it's nothing exciting um, so important. Yeah. So important. And it's, it's just teaching the dog to stand correctly. You know, I think about my mom when I was little, always being like, stand up straight, put your shoulders back. Um, and I was like, Oh, why? And now I get it. But yeah, so it's just teaching them how to stand correctly, be balanced, engage their core. Um, and it's, again, it's kind of one of those light bulb exercises where a lot of people st- start it and they hate it and they're like this is so boring and then the dog starts to get it and they start to see the improvement and they start to see it when the dog's just out moving on their own and they stop and they're like wow that's gorgeous so that's a standard and then I'd say my other standard is the rock back sit to push forward stand which is kind of opposite, like being in competition. We hear a lot about like tuck sit, kickback stand, tuck sit, kickback stand. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We're going to rock it back and then push it forward and really work those rear legs and, and build that up, especially for my, any any sport with jumping. Yeah. I'm, I'm writing that one down because it's so easy to forget Mm -hmm. that one. We're, We're rock back sitting and what are you calling it? A pushback stand? push forward stand push so they stand. they push off the rear end to bring their front legs forward into the stand yes so effectively they almost don't move really their feet will then be able to yeah correct so I, the way i teach it to people is they have their rear legs targeted so i'll often use some kind of target equipment whether it be like a mat or a platform or some you know, fitness inflatable piece. And the dog first has to understand if my back feet are on this or back paws, they don't move. They have to stay there. And then basically, yeah. yeah, So they move backwards into the sit and then forwards into the stand. Nice. Nice. I really like that. Yeah. And I, 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 again, it's one of those ones that I've done and they're not necessarily focused on. So it's an easy one to forget. Posture, you know what, I'm with you because posture is probably one of my absolute favorite um favorite games now i'm gonna add to that i'm gonna i'm gonna raise you i'm gonna add to that because i'm gonna pop a couple of my favorites for people that are listening um i have obviously some small dogs because uh blink and, and i'm an absolute cocker fanatic so my small dogs <laughs> my 
really love pivoting for small dogs. I just really enjoy pivoting and then pivoting with sometimes stepping over something. That's made a big difference for, for Blink. And um, again, like you're saying with your sit stands, Blink does a lot of sit stands and slowly, 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 like so many people, one of my my most important pieces of information I give to people when I'm talking exercises like this which effectively are prescriptions like you're giving someone a prescription to make their dog better blink had a slipping patella i believe that exercise alone would have recovered her patella i just didn't realize it at the time um and i did give her um like well, I, I didn't give her surgery that would be horrific i i allowed <laughs> a surgeon to operate on her uh, but actually I, I feel now that without surgery she'd have done as well if the exercise had been right um and so for me the sit stand is a fantastic exercise but but also the pivoting so the pivotings are really just important because of the type of um knee slip it is um so yeah those are, are really um cool ones now i'm being a little sneaky here because i'm like right i've got leslie she's pinned in a room i it sounds terrible she's not pinned in a room um, and <laughs> i've got leslie here um i've got a couple of little bits now that i'm thinking i might just ask you a couple of opinions it's great for the listeners to hear stuff um shoulders ever's got some medial shoulder sort of uh, I, I want i want them to be more stable stronger mm-hmm. Good, but I think they could be stronger. Give me a, like just a couple of exercises that not. And now, obviously, guys, Leslie's not allowed to prescribe a specific exercise, but exercises that might be useful for broader things here. What might be a, a nice shoulder exercise? Yeah. So I have a favorite shoulder exercise right now. It's I just you know so brilliant with coming up with names. I call it shoulder push-ups. Um, <laughs> so creative. So it's it's. It's really a lot like a human push-up, slightly different, but that's what it's based on. Um, and so there's this is one of those exercises where it's all about the fine-tuning. There's actually not a lot of movement in it. And so I, a lot of times I have clients kind of get frustrated because they're like, I don't think I'm doing it right. And they show me and it's like, no, that's perfect. Um, but basically what it is, is the dog is kind of standing in a downhill, um, posture. So basically their rear paws are higher than their front paws. Um, and we change, you know, to make it more difficult, we can raise the rear end up higher, but basically the key to the exercises we're looking for both their elbows and their shoulders to flex or bend just like in a human push-up. When you go down to the ground, your, your elbows and your shoulders are flexing. So for this, what we try to do is get the dog to look straight down. So nose, and I was like nose pointed down and then bring their nose, almost like a nose target to the floor, like straight down to the floor. And you get that motion, but it's very slight. Like I always tell people, this is, this is an exercise of, of centimeters. It's, it's just going to be, you're just going to see a little bit of movement, but as we get, as we move along, we will see more and more movement as we make it harder. So that's, that's my favorite shoulder exercise. The other thing I do specifically for medial shoulder is I do a lot of TheraBand work, which is again, kind of something that most people don't think about with dogs. Um, but we can get them to do it, you know, wrap a a TheraBand around their leg. Um, and they learn to pull against it and we just get some nice fine tune muscle contractions when we use it. So I really like that for getting specific. 
I wish you were here in the UK. I really do. You would absolutely have a ball. You would have a ball and a blast at my place. You really would. Um, those sound fantastic. Um, and I'm going to be badgering you for videos in a minute. Um, and so uh, I'm going to pick your brain once more and I'm going to say psoas. Something we can do to strengthen a dog post psoas strain. And those people who are listening who know nothing about these, listen with interest and listen with thought and these these things can't the exercises can't really do your dogs any harm and for me they're specifics that god i've been struggling on some of these things and i sometimes wish that we had less uh, injury challenges but they make us stronger leslie don't they they make us (laughs) they do um so yes for for helping to strengthen so as post um post post injury and in recovery yeah. So for the psoas, I've got another two. The first one I just call iliopsoas plank. It's basically a progression of posture. So instead of standing with basically both legs um, perpendicular to the ground, now we're going to ask them to target their rear legs, rear paws on something behind them and kind of move into more and more hip extension while still maintaining that stand, that plank. So it, it really does start to look like a human plank. Um, and that really helps engage their core in general, but I think it highlights their iliopsoas as well. It's another one of those that like you look at it from the outside and you might be like, that looks so boring and like nothing is happening. But I always just tell people, you know what, go, go do a plank for 60 seconds and tell me nothing happened um because it's basically that's what we're asking the dog to do did you say did you say 16 seconds i think i could just about do it. <laughs> yes yeah Please. that's a good a good start yes <laughs> um encouraging and and then the second one i do so also similar to a human exercise is called mountain climbers um so that again little bit more complicated to teach the dog. So that's why it becomes a favorite. Cause I like, I like training challenges. Um, but basically this one, if you, if you've ever seen, um, the, a, a person doing mountain climbers, they're basically on the floor, um, like in a plank position, bringing one leg forward at a time and back and forth. And so we do this with the, and watching us, both Leslie and I are kind of with, with both mountain <laughs> Both like doing the maneuver, like there is a maneuver. And if you've ever done them before, then you know how they feel. And if you haven't, well, maybe you should have a go. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're another yeah, fun they're exercise. Fun. Oh, aren't they just fun? They're just very fun. Yeah. Great use of language there. So tell us about teaching them and tell us about what you're looking for. Because I can't quite imagine Tokyo doing your mountain climbers yet. So I, again, I'll use um, targeting or, um, you know, basically something that they the dog already has the history of knowing they're supposed to step over it and so what I'll do is basically have them um we'll we'll pretend we're using the step over method so I'll put something that basically they're standing across it so their front feet are in front of it their rear feet are behind it and I typically just start I just lure them forward and when I start to see them pick up one rear leg to bring it forward that's when I mark and treat. So they start to get the idea of like, Oh, I'm just, I'm just picking up a rear leg. That's what we're looking for. And then to get them to alternate rear legs, like, like the 
people version, I actually, you can change the angle of approach. So basically, instead of having them come straight towards you with the bar or whatever it is they're stepping over, like perfectly 90 degrees, I just change the angle. So they're coming at it from a diagonal. And when they come at it from a diagonal, they're more likely to um, pick up whichever leg is closest to it first. Mm -hmm. And then you can switch to the opposite diagonal and they'll switch legs. Now, some dogs mix it up and they do the outside leg. It doesn't matter as long as they're alternating which leg they pick up and step over. So um, I do I do use quite a lot of luring at first, um, but I think the dogs pick up pretty quickly on like the setup of the exercise and they almost, they're like, oh, I know that setup. I know what's coming. I know how to do it. Um, the other way to do it is a target. So instead of stepping over something, you ask them to bring a leg forward to a target and then back into position. Um, and then like the really technical, I guess, way to do it is to teach them they have individual rear legs um, and take it all the way to where they'll, they'll step with one rear leg on cue and then you can just cue them back and forth. Um, I don't usually ever take it that far. I, uh, that is dedicated, isn't it? When you're, when you're taking it that far, that is definitely dedicated. Now, we heard the best part of your job. Is there a worst part of your job, Leslie? Like, do you see a, a worst part? Um, the worst part is records. <laughs> um, when you have to put away the docs. That is a great answer. <laughs> that is a great answer. And writing up all of those records, I'm like, God, the plans I get are so brilliant. And can you imagine writing them? I'm so grateful for receiving them, but I don't want to write them. My God. Yeah. And, and you don't get to play with the dogs when you're riding them. Right. So it's, yeah, not, not so much fun, but they have to be done. So they have to be done. It's an important part. So you're currently away um, with your teams. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing and what you're hoping to do. And, and uh, it's, it's the beginning of the event. So it's the most exciting time. Like I literally love this part of the event. Yeah. So right now I'm traveling with um, a team member for Team USA at the World Agility Open. So I'm kind of, um, you know, available for for all of Team USA, but mostly traveling with one person to help her out and make sure her dog's ready and prepared and ready to go for all the competition. Um, so, it, yeah, it's really exciting. Um, I, I love these big events. Um, so... I can't, I can't wait for it to start and watch all the dogs and yeah, they're just so much fun. Amazing. What an incredible, um, opportunity. Now, if you were say, um, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, if you were a person looking into working in this world and you knew what you knew now, um, what would you say to someone? What advice would you give them? I would tell them if they specifically wanted to do what I'm doing now, I would say, make sure you focus a lot on learning about dog behavior and dog training, um, because I think that's the biggest hole in the field that a lot of people don't have oh. a great background in dog training. High five, Leslie. Come on. <laughs> High five. Because so many, I mean, 
I've had it so many times. I'm like, right, I love what you're doing, but there's no way you can treat my dog like that. Like, you know what? Absolutely not. You can't stretch him in that position. He's going to bite you. Like, seriously. I mean, my dogs don't really have that in them, but I've watched them treat. I was watching someone treat a little dog with hip dysplasia. Um, it was a it was a vet. They were here on site and they literally the dog was going to bite them. I was like, guys, you can't expect him to just accept that. Like I get there are some dogs yeah. that are tolerant, but hang on a second. Like we shouldn't expect this and we shouldn't we, we should raise the standards here. Definitely. I've, I've had to tell students that, um, again, like they're working with my dogs who are pretty much used to it. I mean, I use them for demonstrations and I mean, they've had everyone try things and I've watched students manipulate them in such ways. And I'm like, so if this were any other dog, you probably would have just gotten bit. You'd lost um, your yeah. I'm like, you really need to be careful with that. And it's, especially because it is a field kind of being transferred from the human world where the patients are verbal and you can say, you know, do this, do that. Can you feel this? You know, it's sometimes I think we stuff gets lost in translation. Then when we try and take it to animals and we're like, well, we need them to do this. Let's just make them do it. And it's, yeah, I, have a lot of times where, yeah, my appointments, I never even touch the dog. I'm like, they're not comfortable with me yet. Maybe down the road, they'll let me do it. But right now we're just going, going to observe what we can and go from there. So yeah, I think it's super important to me. I, I really agree. So anybody who wants to get into the rehab, the vet world, the um, world of um, improving sports dogs or um, improving dogs, learn about animal behavior, learn about dog training, learn about pro dog trainer, learn about uh, the training academy, learn about all those things you can do and observe dogs. I really agree with that. I, I agree, like observe dogs and watch dogs and and don't um, expect to just be able to crack on because I think that is one of the big issues. And I, I definitely, definitely, definitely see this with, with all of the people that um, I've used as, as professionals. At some point, I've had to say you can't just. I mean, my my Cairo, he's fantastic. Um, he's not really a dog Cairo, but he treats my dogs as well when I go up there. Um, and um, I'm like, no, 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 you can't pull around like that. You have to like like work with her because I think to a degree, our animals need to give us a level of permission to uh, do what we do and then like you said you might get it as a one-off but for the long term you're going to get more gain if you just take your time on it a little exactly yeah no I like it I really really like it and then uh brave I know how much you helped me with brave um just just chatting through some some ideas or things we could do or sometimes sending you a video of ups and downs um neurological stuff um any any tips hints um, thoughts, uh, things that people can be doing, because I know that we've got a few people with dogs similar to Brave, and I, I, I've certainly had lots of people reach out to me, but that's that's something that, um, and I've just literally recently been talking to uh, Fabulous Finn's owner. Finn's a, a German Shepherd in the UK who's had a, a similar trauma, and um, he's a he's a dog that's changed laws and everything in the UK. He's a phenomenal dog. So yeah, what what message would you have for them, or what tips or tricks or thoughts would you have for them? So for neuro dogs, a big, I don't know, theory uh, that I have is that they need to remake connections between different parts of their body and their brain. 
And so I really think that using shaping to teach different movements and I mean, even if we think of them as teach them different tricks, um, that really helps bring body awareness. And, And that is one place where I do specifically, I'm like, we need to learn or, or teach the dog what things feel like again. And I want them to, to figure out out on their own more than necessarily me, 100% helping them. Yeah. Um, and it, it can be small things. Like I think a lot of times I relate neuro dogs to, um, stroke victims where they have to just relearn the smallest things. And we don't really necessarily think about that. And, and we yeah do have to think about that with those dogs. And yeah, I just, I wish, I wish I could, you know, convince everyone that shaping, um, clicker training is, is a great part of the therapeutic exercise plan for, for the neuro dogs, but it is, it's a hard concept, I think, to convince people to do. I just, I remember you saying to me, get her shaping her back left leg on a target. And I remember the first time we did it and she was like, wow, I remembered how to do this. And and luckily we taught Brave before her um, trauma. And yeah, it was that like, oh yeah, I got this leg. I got this leg. This leg is here. Like it was almost like a celebration of the leg that we just remembered that we had the leg. Like it was just a really, I was surprised that she had the leg. Like it was like, wow, the leg's still there. (laughs) Um, So yeah, no, I I appreciate that, um, Leslie. And I think that's a really cool thing. Um, Any of your favorite tricks? Do you have any favorite tricks? Any like purposeful tricks that you think, oh, this is a really useful trick? Um... If I, well, I mean, I, you can kind of make everything a trick, right? I would say the two that I make sure all my dogs have are some kind of like wave or high five. So that kind of goes to the individual leg and understanding I can pick up one leg at a time. The, the, you know, they don't come in pairs. Um, And then kind of, so the front leg I call wave or high five when we do it with the rear legs then um I call that one pee like a boy so like teaching them that they can lift up one rear leg and hold the position we call it g whiz so it's not to say yes perfect um, just tell me, just just again, I love that people are listening and thinking, what on earth are these two crazies talking about? But um, how how do you go ahead about teaching a, a front foot target and how do you go about teaching a back foot target? I obviously know how I, I teach it, but equally, it's just great to hear it from, from different voices, different people, um, different ideas, different methods. And it's a, it's a new person for everyone else to hear it, hear it from, which I love. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I would say my dogs have all kind of taught me slightly different ways to, to do it. They all, you know, I kind of go with them, like what, what helps them. Um, I would say for the front pause for wave or high five, I think, I don't know if I've been blessed with a lot of dogs that are really pausey, meaning they just like to pick up a paw and like hit something with it, touch something with it. And so I would say more, yeah, with that, I, it's almost pure capturing it. I'm like when they're little babies coming and they pick up paw, I'm like, yes, that's what I wanted. And then they just start offering it more and more. Um, and we go 
I make sure they get both sides. Um, a lot of dogs, I think only learn it with one side. And so it's really important to me to get it equally on both sides. Um, and then the rear legs, I basically do that from targeting. So typically I teach my dogs very early on to put their both rear paws on something. Mm -hmm. And then once they understand that I break it in half. So they already really like, they're like, yes, I know I'm supposed to put my rear paws on things. And so I'll watch them and I'll try and basically catch it when the first leg is moving to touch it and go on it and basically mark that as, okay, now we're just doing one leg. Um, and that typically they get it with that pretty quickly. Again, very, very similar. And I love that. We have very similar ways of doing it. Now, one question, I'm not going to ask you too many more because I know you're tired and I'm definitely, definitely, definitely full on. So uh, one question for you. Do you ditch the bowl and do you use some of your food bowl for uh, teaching the things that you want to teach? I will admit I'm not a pure ditch the bowl. <laughs> um, they still get their evening meal in puzzle bowls. Um, That's pretty darn but, good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yes, they get a lot of their daily calories from training in some manner, <laughs> whether it's specifically exercise or, or agility or, you know, just basic kind of working on dog stuff like recalls and stuff like that. I love that you say recalls because it just means that you know that the foundations are still still very important and still very key. Well, Leslie, it's been an absolute pleasure. I'm so glad you could join us on the Sex and Squirrel podcast. I know that so many people interested in working with dogs or rehab or the things that they can do, or even the fact that I've quizzed you a little on just some of the things I know kind of like nice and 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 good for um Good, good for everybody to have a, a few bits to take away. And I hope I wasn't too naughty at taking a couple of weeks <laughs> myself. Um, I really hope you have a wonderful time away. I hope that the person you're there to look after and look after their dog does it fantastically. I'm sure they will with your support. That was this episode of the Sex in Squirrel podcast, the podcast that literally is cutting edge in making sure that we really do um, find out about each and every role that we can be doing with our dogs. Remember, guys, stay sexy.